The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Debenport. And this is Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Debenport. This is a show that invites different new thought leaders to share their wisdom and expertise to help you dive deep into spiritual topics so you can discover new ideas and practices that will enhance your life. I'm the host and kind of an MC for this show. The format is that we have different guests, unity ministers, other new thought leaders, who come on not just for one interview, but for a series of lessons. So we are with Reverend Ken Daigle today. He's from Unity in San Francisco. And I think, Ken, this is week seven for you. I think it's week six, but I may be mistaken. (laughs) I've lost count somewhere along the way. Your life may be a blur right now. I Um, think so. Yeah. So some of these guests will talk specifically about unity teachings, sometimes more general spiritual practice. Ken and I have been talking about science and spirituality, and today it's the placebo effect, which is, you know, just the belief that you'll get well. If you believe it, you'll get well. So we'll talk about how that works. There are lots of scientific studies about it. And it may be what happened to Unity's co-founder, Myrtle Fillmore, when she said, I'm a child of God, and therefore I do not inherit sickness. It was a complete change in her consciousness. So we will get to all of that, but Ken, first, the Joshua Report. Hi, Ellen. I am so uh, delighted to be with you today and to share with everyone. A lot of people have been writing me and telling me they're listening for updates and reports here on your show. And and it's been a gift to be able to apply our principles and to process my emotions and feelings and life in real time with you. So thank you for that. Thank you for the gift of this. Joshua is gaining weight. So after last week when we talked, he was um, had dropped to 4.1 pounds. And he's been on a complete uh, reversal of that now. He is well over his birth weight. I think today he is back up to five pounds, six ounces. And uh, that is all good news. He's also been spending more and more time without his nasal trumpet. It's a plastic device inserted through uh, through his nose that helps keep his airway open so he can breathe more easily. And they are in increasingly long times letting him practice without it. Oh, I saw a picture of uh, on Facebook of J.D. holding him with no tubes attached. Yeah, just, he had ripped out his feeding tube. a regular baby. <laughs> and he had, they had taken out his trumpet. So we finally got to see an unobstructed view yeah. of his beautiful face. Aww. So for those who want to see it, you can go to my Facebook page. Uh, it is, is up there as a public view. And uh, he is just adorable. 
just adorable. In fact, I got a picture of him this morning. I'm in San Francisco. Jade's in Nashville. And I got a picture of him this morning wearing a onesie that says young, scrappy, and hungry. <laughs> so just adorable. Um, and tomorrow morning, uh, well, actually at noon central time tomorrow, he goes into surgery. Mm. So I'm getting on a red-eye flight tonight, mm -hmm. flying to Nashville, and I will be there for the surgery tomorrow at noon. And... That's always scary, but at the same time, I really am confident that it's the best thing for Joshua and his unfolding wholeness. So I'm asking everyone and everyone there at Unity Village and Silent Unity, of course, have been holding him in prayer, but to continue holding, especially tomorrow at noon central. And isn't it great news that he's healthy enough for surgery? Oh, it's wonderful news. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It is really wonderful. Because he's, what, four um, weeks old now? He is four weeks old on Thursday. Okay. Be, yeah. So big milestones, big milestones all around. So. He's so little and young and uh, to be having surgery. But it sounds like things are a lot better. Last week you sounded uh, fairly discouraged or trying not to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I did a, a talk about it this Sunday at Unity San Francisco, and it's on our website if people want to hear it, because I was uh, practicing Brene's, what we talked about last week and the gifts of imperfection, mm -hmm. is talking about how to be vulnerable. And so I, I was as honest as I could possibly be with my congregation about how scary and how scared I was, not just how scary the situation was, but how personally scared I was. Mm -hmm. And owning that um, vulnerability allowed me to connect with so many different people. And as I told you last week, so many angels have continued to show up in my life. And because of that, you know, so we are not here alone. Mm -hmm. This, this, right, this uh, idea that somehow we do it alone is detrimental, I think, to our well-being, to understand that when we can connect with others and be real and authentic, and for me to be able to let people help me. Uh, it's a big thing, right. you know, those of us in, the, in, in ministry, to allow our help in for ourselves. Mm. So as uh, we talk, feel free to join in or ask a question or just tell Ken you're praying mm -hmm. with him. The number is 816-251-3555. If you're listening live on September 18th of 2018, we would love to hear from you. 816-251-3555. And if you're just now um, tapping into the Joshua story, Ken and his husband, J.D., decided some time ago to adopt this baby. They have a three-year-old little girl and a, what, 19-year-old son? A 19-year-old son? Yeah, yes. who, he was a foster kid, so you got him late. We did. We we met him when he was 15, and we adopted him when he was 16. He yeah. moved into our house right after his 16th birthday, and we adopted him that year. And so, so meanwhile, they quite were, an age range. Yeah, <laughs> meanwhile, he started with teenagers and then went to babies. Um, so Roma is three, and now she has this baby brother who they are adopting, and Joshua was born in Nashville on August 23rd, wasn't it? Correct, With yes. With some medical issues, a cleft palate, and, and a lot of trouble breathing. So we have been with Ken on this roller coaster of not just the 
ups and downs of the medical condition. But Ken has talked so eloquently about how to practice principle, spiritual principle, in these really tough situations. And it's, it's been just sort of a live workshop. Um, as he shared with us, how we are human and divine at the same time. Because he's been very open about his fears and his feelings and uh, his tears sometimes. But also remembering that God is in every situation and in every sentient being. And that somehow all of this is, I hate to say it's all good. How do you describe the good in this? I, you know, that's a great question because as I, um, I'm very aware that I'm very um, personally focused at the moment, you know, my child, my life, and <laughs> we're always laughing, it's not my child, it's Joshua, it's, he's his own being, he's mm-hmm. his own. So, and if I can even look out beyond that, Ellen, I am in a hospital with 97 other uh, infants, babies in intensive care in this one hospital right and all these families have their lives and their experiences of healing and wholeness and fear and um, some of those babies celebrate their first year birthday still in neonatal intensive care oh my gosh yeah some are there for months some are there for days um some as we will be will be four months probably two for two months we will be there mm-hmm. and um just stepping back from the personal to understand that that's valid and true but also then to be able to open up and see that there is a common need a common journey that we're all on and to be connected more to humankind to the bigger picture of what's going on um, is breathtakingly beautiful. And so to have my spiritual experience is to know that I'm not alone and that I'm not unique or special. And to have my human experience is what you described is allowed myself to cry, Mm -hmm. to not practice psychological denial. You know, one of my favorite jokes, I don't know if you've ever heard it, is, you know, a rabbi, a um, minister, and a unity minister, a Catholic priest, excuse me, a rabbi, a Catholic priest, and a unity minister end up in hell. (laughs) And the rabbi is standing over in the corner, just sweating bullets, going, oy vey, what did I do to deserve this? I thought I was living a good life. And the Catholic priest is in the corner saying, oh, my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended thee. And I detest all of my sins because of thy just punishment. And the unity minister is standing in the middle going, it's not hot and I'm not here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's... That joke is we we get confused with the denial that the situation can affect our good, right? As you ask the question, what is our good? The situation can affect our our wholeness, but also the situation is real in that you are physically experiencing it. So I don't call it all good. I call it that this is in divine order. 
It's divine order that he was born in that hospital. It was divine order that there is the technology and the staff to take care of him. It's divine order that I have the resources and the ability to be there with him. And that all these amazing angels, including you, Alan, and all of our listeners here on Unity Online Radio, are all together with me in this. And so if I can step out of my personal pain, I see that there is a bigger picture happening, that there is more going on than just me. And so I don't want to tell anyone whose child is in the hospital or is losing a child or is suffering that incredibly unimaginable loss that it's good. Mm -hmm. But as I shared last week, the nurse who was taking care of me on Monday let me know that she had lost a child. She had a child in neonatal intensive care and she lost him. Right. And that's why she does the work she does now. For 25 years, she's been caring for other people's infants. And there is some beautiful divine order in that. Mm -hmm. And some real ministry, some real important uh, caring for others. So, excuse me, as I get a little overwhelmed by the beauty of it again, that I am so held, so taken care of. Yeah. And so blessed. Yeah. You are. And I'm amazed that your stories of the people who show up and the financial resources that show up and, you know, the medical expertise that happens to be in that hospital where he was born. Yeah. Uh, but, but let me ask you this. When we talk about divine order, I'm always concerned that people hear that as God's will. Mm. And I'm not sure it's quite the same thing. Yeah, I wouldn't call it God's will either because, again, that uh, portends a God up there dictating how life is going to unfold for you. Mm-hmm. Um I would call divine order the infinite potential in every situation, the infinite uh, abundance, the infinite resource constantly available. So in any moment, any situation, there are almost infinite ways we can go. Our own thinking, our own way of being is what decides which direction it's going to go or how we will interpret whichever direction unfolds, right? So I can't control everything that happens in the universe. As Eric Butterworth said, things will happen to you and things can happen around you, but the most important thing is what happens within you. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, the divine order is unfolding that life is progressing as life will. And when I am in tuned with the divine, I make wiser decisions. I make more uh, loving decisions and I influence the effect in my own body and in my own situation and therefore those around me by my thinking. And I think that links directly to what we were talking about today in the placebo effect. Because if you believe as you believe, so it shall be. As you hold it, so it is. Now, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, our co-founders, were talking about that idea and the idea of your thoughts shaping your reality 
long before the placebo effect was ever documented or talked about in science. Mm -hmm. But they had uncovered that truth. And as you were talking about with Myrtle, I love the idea someone uh, in a class I took at Unity Village, I, I would hazard to guess it was Paul Hasselbeck, <laughs> but Reverend Paul Hasselbeck, for those of you who know him uh, and listen to him, uh, said that it's possible that Myrtle didn't actually have tuberculosis, but that she believed she did because she would thought it was an inherited disease. Right. And she thought that she was sickly and therefore she manifested symptoms. Mm -hmm. In the research I've done on the placebo effect, that is proven to be true too. The placebo effect works both ways. You can take a pill that will have that if a doctor tells you or someone you trust tells you will have a side effect, you may manifest the side effect from a sugar pill, from a saline solution. <laughs> it is your belief that creates the effect. And so it's really fascinating me, to me to apply that in this situation, especially with Joshua, because Joshua may not be thinking on the same level that you and I think right now, mm -hmm. right? So how does a placebo effect in work in a baby without words, right. in an infant? But my energy field and my interaction around him, of course, will have an effect, like all of us have an effect mm -hmm. on the world. How we hold ourselves, how we behave, how our, our energy field, our literal, literally our heart vibrations and our heart field, um, I'm blanking on the word from heart math right now, but our energetic field, uh, electromagnetic field of our heart, uh, as they talk in heart math, uh, will influence a room. So I'm conscious of it when I am interacting with him, but I've also been using it in my life for over 30 years now. I discovered New Thought Teachings in 19, um, when was it? 1987, 86 or 87 in New York City. First by reading Louise Hay, mm -hmm. right? which is all about how your mind affects your body and your health, of right. course, and, and the correlation between the two, how you can heal your life. So that's an incredible example of the, the placebo effect and how many of us have used that book to enter into unity teachings or to new thought teachings or continue to use it in our lives as uh, symptoms of our beliefs show up in our lives. So I discovered you can, the power, you can heal your life and Louise Hay in the middle of the AIDS crisis in New York, so many friends were mm -hmm. dying. So many friends were getting ill and there was no medical treatment. There was nothing that could be done for those people. And in 1988, I discovered that I was one of those people. In 1988, I was diagnosed as HIV positive. And at the time, that was pretty much a death sentence. But I remember thinking and saying, no, oh, that's not, not my reality. That's not my course. I remember being on the phone with my parents and calling them to tell them the diagnosis, but also say, and I said out loud, you don't have to worry. This will not kill me. 
This will not harm me. And then I went about to doing the work. I was studying Louise. I found Marianne Williamson and was attending lectures on the Course in Miracles, in A Course in Miracles. And uh, Marianne at the time was having these little uh, HIV support groups where 20 of us would sit around in a room with Marianne Williamson and talk about principle. And someone at one of them raised the question to her, you know, uh, AZT is out now. This was the early 90s. AZT is out. Should I take the AZT? And there was a lot of concern because that treatment at the time was very toxic and dangerous, supposedly, to your body. And Marianne just looked at all of us and said, go ahead, take the pills, but realize it's not the pill that is curing you. It is your belief in the pill that is curing you. The very definition of the placebo effect is that our belief uh, is what changes us. So when I started to take antiviral drugs, I started to see them as angels and literally visualize them as angels working in my body, clearing everything Mm -hmm. and not seeing it as taking poison, but seeing it as taking a gift, a gift from God. So I sit here now 30 years later and I have never been sick a day in my life. I have not, not not from HIV, I've certainly had colds and I've had other ailments, but I've not been sick because of HIV and AIDS. I have been able to thrive. Now, it's not divine order that I'm here and someone else isn't. I lost too many friends to say that they were just thinking wrong, Mm -hmm. that they didn't make it. My soul's journey their soul's journey, Joshua's soul's journey, are all unique and for that person. But I'm really clear that I've been gifted by having a real-life experience of spiritual healing, of knowing the power of my mind to lift me beyond something. I have lived so long with Uh, quote-unquote, an HIV diagnosis, that they cannot find it in my blood anymore. It doesn't register in medical tests, and it's not considered a detriment to my lifespan anymore that I'm able to adopt and raise children now without any concern for that. It's fully known by all the agencies, by all the parents who have trusted their children for me and my husband to raise and how that shifts our life and our experience is what I want to share. How the placebo effect and the understanding of the power of our thought, our belief really, our belief in something greater than us can change any situation. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I don't think this stuff is you know is little. I think I think what we talk about and what we do at Unity sometimes I lose track of it too. Mm-hmm. Is so substantial and so life changing, and we lose track when we're affirming a better job sometimes or we're affirming the new car. You know what we do, and I see it daily and weekly at, at, at my job is changing and savings people's lives, you know? And people who listen to this radio show, 
who are facing something that may seem overly daunting. People who listen to our talks and come to our services. Um, that's, that's what we're about. Uh, Unity and Unity Online Radio and all the New Thought Churches. So I know in this second half, we want to talk a little bit more about prayer and how it, it interfaces, but also uh, about positivity and how that meshes with placebo effect. I think there's a real correlation there. And the reason we're talking a lot about science and spirituality is because it seems to be proving what we've known spiritually much longer than we've known it scientifically. So the placebo effect is basically you can take a sugar pill or a saline injection and get well because you believe you'll get well. So why not just skip the sugar pill? If it's all about your thinking, can't we just heal ourselves? And I think that's what uh, Unity's co-founders, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, were going for and trying to teach other people. Uh, This power of mind over body is an ancient teaching, but it was also fairly new in the 1800s when they were first working with it. And... You know, what I love about it now, over 100 years later, is that we can say, yeah, see, here's a scientific study that shows exactly how that works. Right. And so, right now there's science that backs up what we've been teaching for right. over 100 years. Right. And, and thinking about Joshua, he is probably not able to hold an affirmation in his mind. But what he's not doing is lying there saying, oh, my gosh, I'm sick. How long is this going to last? This could lead to terrible things. He's not doing that either. So that's good. (laughs) Right. He's not saying this place does. I don't like this place. He doesn't know any other place. (laughs) Right. Right. And all he knows is that energetically he's being bathed in love and support. And he he doesn't know that it's. You said something really profound, I think it was last week, that most of your unhappiness about this was from believing it should be different. Mm-hmm. And he yeah, doesn't the, have that the either. The stress mm-hmm. yeah. is from believing that it shouldn't be this way. Right. And he doesn't have that thought either. So in the the purity of his newborn mind is probably the best thing he has going for him. Oh. Uh. Yeah, there's a there's a quote. The purity of your newborn mind <laughs> yeah. is the best thing we all have going for us, right? Can we all return to the purity of our newborn mind right. where everything is just brand new? So let's take a break. When we come back, we have a caller waiting to ask Ken a question. This is Voices of Unity with Ellen Devonport and Reverend Ken Daigle. We'll be back after this. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation. 
or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell from Unity San Diego discussing change and transition. And as we begin to really identify the endings in our lives, to deal with them completely and wholly, to heal from them as we must, as we are willing to be in a time of not knowing, a time of uncertainty, but a time of trusting that there is a blueprint, there is a plan, there is a destiny. As we move successfully through these experiences, we will find that we are evolving and emerging into something new and different. And everyone and everything that has been happening in your life, both the things that are easy and good and pleasant, and those things that are challenging and painful and difficult, are drivers for your own evolution. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. If you've been on a spiritual path for a long time, what can you read that's new and exciting? Try Unity Magazine. It's designed for the seasoned spiritual student with in-depth articles and interviews about spiritual practices and philosophies. Our columnists share their own faith journeys and cover healing, science, and psychology with even a little scripture thrown in. You'll read some classic authors and some new ones. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Did you know Unity has published a new book by Eric Butterworth? This wonderful writer and teacher who is loved by so many people left a recorded class called Practical Metaphysics that has now been turned into a book. It's Vintage Butterworth. He explains how to live from a deeper state of consciousness and awaken to health, love, prosperity, and peace of mind. Practical Metaphysics. Find it online by going to unity.org and click shop. Discover how to connect with our loved ones on the other side with Suzanne Giesman and Messages of Hope. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Central as Suzanne shares evidence that love never dies. In evidential medium, spiritual teacher, and author, Suzanne brings hope and healing through her gift of communication with those who have passed. Suzanne brings messages of hope and love that go straight to the heart. Tune in this Thursday right here on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Ellen Debenport. We're back with Voices of Unity. We're talking with Reverend Ken Daigle about a lot of things. Ken has been our guest for several weeks now to talk about science and spirituality, uh, to talk about his journey with a newborn baby who has some medical issues, and today specifically about the placebo effect. But Ken, first say again where people can listen to your talk from last Sunday when you laid out what you'd been going through with the baby. So there's two places you can go. The easiest place will be go to unitysf.com. So U-N-I-T-Y-S-F, stands for San Francisco, dot com, we're a dot com. And on our homepage, there's a link to the talk. Or you can just go to YouTube and type in. Are you still there? 
Uh-oh. Well, I tell you what. Let me bring on our caller because she can talk about this too. We'll see if we can get Ken back. So, Carla, you are on the air. Yes, Ellen. Thanks for taking my call. Have you been listening? Ken just dropped out for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I had a I had a question for him, but I think it's one um, just um, that's worthy of discussion for our listeners, and that's on the whole idea of the power of the mind to heal. Mm-hmm. And and I love what Ken was talking about with Louise Hay and the placebo effect. And um, I had an opportunity to go hear Herbert Benson at Harvard, the Mind Body Institute, back in '98. And he referred to it as the nocebo effect, which is imagining the best we've ever felt in our life, and our body will respond to it. Well, that, as you were bringing up, is great for adults, but what about with babies? Right. So I, I loved what you said, Ellen, that purity of, of the newborn mind is the best we have to work with. <laughs> Because so many people want to know, okay, this is very, very wonderful to hear, and we're thrilled that that Ken has had his own healing, and we know the same for Joshua. Um, But what do you do when you get the diagnosis and you're so afraid? Because you are going to be afraid when you hear those words. And just going to the opposite of it, I'm not afraid, isn't quite enough, is it? No. No. There, he's oh, back. <laughs> no, back. affirming. I, yeah, no, Carla, I totally agree. Agree. No is not enough. As we were talking a lot about last week, uh, psychological denial is not the answer. Uh, we must be able to absolutely feel our feelings and go through them because otherwise uh, we're just we're masking something that's going to come out and hurt us in the long run. To be able to face the real fears and the real emotions opens us up to an incredible amount of healing that absolutely must be be done. Absolutely must be done. How do you apply that in your life? Well, I'm thinking back on it. In my life, I've got to have a trusted advisor with me. Do you know what I mean? I have to have a relationship with someone I can really trust to sort of give me a safe place or a hand on the small of my back saying, you're going to make it. You're hmm. going to make it through this. Um, and I just remember back to the time when my daughter was born with a birth defect. And um, and my question was, why, why, why? Until, you know, it's, I was in a uh, like a meditative state. And being immersed in unity principles for as long as I have, I went to, okay, if there's one presence and one power, then I want to connect with that presence and power now. And I know I can connect with it within myself. So what is the next step that I take? To affirm my child is not going to have to go through surgery isn't going to work. You know, she was due to have surgery the next morning. Now, I'm, I'm telling stories on people who who uh, gave me great blessings. But my mother, who was a unity um, minister, said, Carla, let's take the baby and run. 
perfect denial, you know. <laughs> we'll pray <laughs> over her and then I'll take care of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was looking at my mom like, are you kidding me? And you're here to be my strength? <laughs> and, you know, my other, uh, my mother-in-law was saying, well, we don't have any of this on our side of the family. And I'm thinking, I am caught uh-huh. in in that 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 space of time where where what am i going to claim is my truth and my god would not cause a child to suffer that Mm -hmm. that is not what i believe in about god i believe god is the the availability of anything good to come forth out of any situation knowing why the situation is helping uh, is happening isn't really all that helpful, is it? No, I, I believe in what we've been talking about. I think is right in line with what you're saying. When I look at Joshua right now, there's there he is God's perfect child. Yeah. The 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 procedure that they're about to do on him tomorrow is God in action. Now this yeah. will unfold in ways I don't know and I can't control, but it is the divine at work as he is and as he will be because everything's a continuum but we only have this moment so right now he's breathing and he's alive and he's perfect right as your daughter was breathing alive and perfect on some level absolutely absolutely and looking into her eyes you know even the neonatal nurses said oh my gosh she's so alive Mm, Um, and awake um she won't let us just leave her in an incubator. She makes us put her on the desk so she can watch what's going on. So all those good evidences were really helpful to me. So I believe our relationship, of course, is is one of alignment with the one presence and power, but also horizontally with each other. Right. And Right. To hear worst case scenario isn't particularly helpful. Right. So God. No. So it's about putting your pearls before swine, right? About putting your mm. positive thinking. It has to be in really careful of who you share it with. Someone who's going to support you, as you put it, as a pat on the back, right? Someone yeah. who's going to tell you it's going to be okay, or will walk with you through the fear, knowing right. it for you not mm-hmm. trying to change your mind but knowing the truth for you till you can know it yourself yeah you know it's funny i i dreamt the night she was born of uh jacob's ladder you know and wrestling with the angel and i almost felt like that energy myself like i was wrestling with my belief system i mean this is this is time to prove it baby yeah you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one thing to speak it so to know it and i think that's what we definitely have um, in our unity movement is this positive, practical approach to whatever we have to face. We have to accept the diagnosis, but not the prognosis. And that, and that's exactly where we're going with this conversation, Carla. So thank we're you good. for calling. Keep listening. We want to talk about <laughs> positive thinking and gratitude and all of those tools that we teach when things are going well, and then now the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Yeah, Ellen, before uh, we lost my signal for a minute there, you were asking about um, 
the talk I did on Sunday at Unity San Francisco and where people can find it. And But Carlo was reminding me, that's exactly who I was talking about. I was talking about my own fears and my own journey and how the process of not psychologically denying what was going on, but affirming that there was a solution and just being able to share both at the same time led me to a place of real gratitude and understanding. And um, I was saying the easiest way to find it is to go to unitysf, unitysf.com. It's on our homepage of our website. Or you can go to YouTube and type in Unity San Francisco, spell it all out, Unity San Francisco, and it'll be the first videos available on Unity San Francisco's YouTube page. Okay. So those are the two places that you can get more detail about that. Um, but as you were saying, we were talking about uh, the link of positivity and positive emotions and health and wholeness. Uh, Barbara Fredrickson, I've studied a lot, and she's a positive psychologist. She um, has her doctorate in it and does a lot of writing about it. And one of the most amazing studies that uh, they undertook was there was a group of nuns back in the 40s uh, who all wrote diaries. Right? And so this group of nuns uh, were studied, their diaries were studied after their life was over. And um, a researcher went through their diaries and looked at searching out positive emotions, positive attitudes, positive thinking in the diaries compared to those who were expressing more negative or judgmental and uh, fearful emotions in the diaries. And what they discovered is that the nuns who had expressed positivity all through their life and optimism lived on an average 10 years longer than the nuns who were more negative and more um, judgmental and fearful in their journals. And mm. it was across the spectrum of Alzheimer's disease and cancers and all other kind of, of ailments. And it was amazing because they didn't know they were participating in a study. It wasn't about them reporting what they thought was going to be read. It was just about their real writings and how that attitude and how we adapt ourselves to a more positive and optimistic point of view in any situation can actually extend our lives by healing us, by keeping disease at bay and by healing us. So I think that's a fascinating link to how we pray, right? Because there's a lot of studies out there, and Ellen, you and I have talked about this before, about how prayer does or does not affect outcomes in surgery and in health and all kinds of situations, where my experience is that prayer is incredibly powerful in healing, incredibly uh, I have demonstrated it, I have experienced it, I've witnessed it, but the science doesn't back us up when we talk about that necessarily. There's a lot of conflicting studies out there, but I think you've talked about there's some, uh, it's a, it depends on how you're praying. <laughs> you know, remember for a while Unity had an Office of Prayer Research where they were trying to gather together all of the scientific studies about prayer. And they concluded 
about 75% of the studies thought prayer had a beneficial effect. But I, I ran across a study done at Harvard, oh, I want to say 2006, and they were testing once again whether prayer can help with healing and concluded it did not. And as I read the article, they quoted the exact prayer that they had had everybody use. It was for heart patients, people who'd had bypasses, I think, and they, the prayer was something like, uh, we pray for quick recovery with no complications which means every time they prayed, they were thinking about complications. <laughs> and sure enough, the heart patients being prayed for had more complications than they ordinarily would. And so that's why in Unity we talk about affirmative prayer. We don't address the prop. We don't restate the problem at all. We affirm that the solutions are available, that our good is already here, and that we're just watching all this unfold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes so much sense, too, because if you're, like, you're praying, I'm going to be cancer free. What you're saying is that I'm going to be you're saying cancer all the time. It's just constantly affirming what you don't want. It's bringing it into your daily prayer life. And it's hard when not, I, not right, to do I, it. We pray all the time. I want to be debt free. I want to be pain free. So be careful with those words. Don't use any word that you don't want to experience. Right. Well, I remember when I became a prayer chaplain, my journey uh, to ministry started through the prayer chaplain program and Leilani's prayer chaplain program. And we were taught not to, after we prayed with someone, to ask the next time we saw them, right, well, how is that situation, whatever it is, how's mm -hmm. your debt, how's your cancer, right? Because what you're doing then is reaffirming that for the person, right? right. <laughs> it's like, it's like not, that's not letting it go. That's not releasing it, that's constantly bringing it back up. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I didn't know that we had a, uh, I missed that, that we had an office of prayer research. I think that's fascinating. Is it still in the archives, all that research? Probably. You know, yeah. I'll have to go check when I'm there next month or November. When I'm back in November. It'd be fabulous to look at. You know, even in the Mayo Clinic, they've done a lot of work around positivity. And I think, you know, because we pray affirmatively we're praying from a place of positivity uh, and it's not it's not that you're putting your head in the sand uh, we're not ignoring the need for demonstrating health <laughs> that's the reason we're praying we're obviously there in a situation my belief in hiv aids was clear because I was demonstrating it. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't need to affirm my belief in HIV AIDS. What I needed to affirm was my belief that I am whole, that my body is more than vibrant, that it is infinite, it is divine, it is constantly uh, healing and whole, that that is a, a process that will be going on in my life for decades to come. And that's what the positive prayer, the affirmative, positive self-talk, because that's what we're doing is shifting our tape, our way of being to inspire and promote our health. And in the Mayo Clinic, their research has done that positive thinking, positive, optimistic self-talk like that can increase your lifespan, lower rates of depression, lower rates of stress, uh, it gives you resistance to the common cold. 
I, I use my favorite is, you know, people always say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to hug you. I have a cold and it's all right. I don't get sick. Mm-hmm. I don't do sick. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I'm just not going to do that. I'd rather hug you. So if they're willing, I'd rather get the hug. Um, but also it gives you better psychological and physical well-being, just the, the, the positivity. Uh, and actually your heart works better. You have better cardiovascular health because we know, we know spiritually that our heart is about pumping joy, right? It's about giving us our very life. And our heart is so affected to our, uh, affected by and and reflective of our mood and better coping skills better coping skills when you can see the possibilities in the situation and that shows up in our language too the term heavy heart Mm, sadness and pessimism broken Mm -hmm. heart yeah yeah. Um, one of the uh, the people I was studying, and I, I use it with my classes all the time, there was a, a, a guy called Sean Aker who studied positive psychology at Harvard mm-hmm. uh, and wrote a book on the uh, happiness advantage. And one of the things that I try to practice and has been a huge difference in my life is when I get to work and I open up my emails, the first thing I do is send a appreciative email to someone. So someone just random that I love, that I just haven't been in contact with, and I just type out a quick little three-sentence email telling them how much I appreciate them and so glad they're in my life. And then I open all the emails with things that I need to do and answer <laughs> and take care of. I don't dive in with before setting my intention of positivity. And it's made a huge difference on how how I can go through my work day. So we keep talking about be positive, think positive, pray affirmatively. The quickest, easiest way I know to do those things is gratitude. Mm -hmm. Uh, Keeping a gratitude journal, just taking a moment to think about what you're grateful for right now. Is that, and I have heard that that leads to better physical health as well. Is that your understanding? Yeah, absolutely. Gratitude. There's two different uh, studies that I've read about it. There's another book um, that um, I have used, and it is um, from a UC Davis psychologist, and it's Thanks, the Science of How Gratitude Can Make You Happier. Uh, And his work in gratitude shows that just writing thank you notes, like, you know, just like the thank you email Mm -hmm. uh, can really significantly change your well-being. And so one of the other tasks I give out in absolute abundance class is there with your prep partner at the end of your day before you go to sleep, we text each other three things we're grateful for. Oh. And there's actually science. Yeah, just three things. Three things. Text, sit, send, go to sleep. So the last thing you're doing is reflecting on your day and what you're grateful for in the day. But there's right? some accountability there, too. Yes. Someone's so waiting that you, for your you text. You've got a partner to help remind you. If yeah. I have forgotten to do it, mm-hmm. if I'm in my life too much, all of a sudden I get a text of three great things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. let me do this. Let me send this back. And it shifts my beingness. Uh, and sets my, it's like setting your intention for sleep. <laughs> it's like, it's also resetting your day. No matter what the day has been, no matter how difficult, stressful, eventful the day has been, I'm reviewing it at the end of the day 
to find three things to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And there's a great little fact that I've discovered in this too. It really, they're really specific. Find three. And they can be the same three every day, but you can find three specific things to be grateful for. But don't try and do a list of six or seven or eight. Because when you have to stop and think um, about six or seven, eight, there's something in our human psyche that goes, oh, my day must not have been so good because I can't think of anything to be happy about. Yeah. <laughs> and we uh, and we go instantly to the negative. It's our survival, our our reptile reptilian brain that makes us look for what's wrong. But what we want to do is reset the clock. We want to reset how our brain is reviewing the day and seeing our life from the positive. So gratitude is a great tool for that. And as we know, it's how we end every prayer in unity in the five step prayer method in every prayer method I've ever looked at at new thought and unity. We end with thank you. It's done, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right? That's the most important part. My mother kept a gratitude journal, and I found it after she died, and I was going through her house. And the lesson in it for me was that it doesn't have to be anything big or profound. Um, over and over on different days, she listed lipstick as one of the things she was grateful for. And I didn't know she was quite such a lipstick addict, but I I found a drawer full of all these different shades of lipstick. She enjoyed being a girl. Uh, and some days she was grateful for a TV show. Third Rock from the Sun showed up several times. And then, of course, people in her life. So, you know, it doesn't have to be um, profound or lofty or, or terribly spiritual to practice gratitude. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to say lipstick. That would be a great, I mean, it's like, there's nothing about putting on a little lipstick to make you perk up, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I often am jealous. It's like, okay, uh, ladies, when they go uh, out or on a platform, get to paint on a face. It's like, on those stressful days, I feel like it all shows on mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's be grateful for those things we get to do. Um, amazing, amazing little gift. Yeah. So what mm-hmm. else? We have about two and a half minutes left. Uh, we've talked about affirmative prayer, positive thinking, self-talk, gratitude, uh, which is all part of the placebo effect. It's if, if we can get well because we believe we can, then we might as well practice believing we can, right? Right. Well, you know, one of the most amazing things about that, is, you know, as I shared my journey and being HIV positive about 10 years in, it was at my doctor's office in New York City. And, and it was, uh, my doctor was a great guy. And, but didn't quite, you know, he knew about unity and what I was doing, but didn't quite buy into mm-hmm. our theology. Let me mm-hmm. just put it that way. <laughs> he was a New Yorker. He was, you know, born in the Bronx and he was a nice Jewish doctor from the Bronx. So I don't, he wasn't too sure about this positive shit. <laughs> so uh, one day I was sitting there in his office with him and I said, he was giving me all the numbers and I was like, you know what, you know what, Bob, I, re- I really just don't, I, that's for you to worry about. I, I'll trust you with the numbers. That's your world. I just know what I know. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and, and I said, and I know, you know, you know, you don't buy into this. He goes, no, no, Ken, let me be really clear now. Bob 
my doctor there, Bob Friedman, was my physician, had been on the front lines of the AIDS crisis for all those years. He had, was an amazing um, trooper and survivor through those years of so much death. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he goes, no, no, I'm going to be really clear to you. I know that my patients who believe they're going to get well do. And, um, and that was just so profound to me yeah. that if through his evidence of his work, he knew that how we approach whatever it is we're diagnosed with, whatever it is we're facing, how we believe affects the outcome. And he didn't do a, a study of it. He didn't have blind, double blind placebo tests. He just had practical experience of that his patients who knew they would get better did. And that's what this is all about. Yeah. And it's and it's real belief. It's not Band-Aid affirmations. No. That, that your mind is arguing with. It's just knowing that somehow, despite appearances, all is well. Yeah. And that's and that, pretty much the basis of unity. Yeah. Well, we are out of time again today. Uh, Ken will be back next week to talk about, let me find it. Grit. 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 The power of tenacity. That's what it is. So this yeah. is Ellen Devonport with Ken Daigle signing off for now. We will see you again next week on Voices of Unity. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.